0: hello everyone and welcome to it the podcast it should go without saying i am your host andrew lewis and joining me today to chat some nba is dan shay and dan i make it a rule on this podcast that any day when my sons beat your Timberwolves, we have to do a podcast (laughs) (laughs) so for those playing at home we're we're recording this on monday night the first of march today In Minnesota, the Suns, 118. The Timberwolves, 99, thanks to 43 points from newly crowned two-time all-star Devin Booker, so and 11 points and 15 assists to Chris Paul. So um, for the Timberwolves, they got 24 points out of number one pick, Anthony Edwards, 21 points and 10 rebounds out of Carl Anthony Towns, and 11 points out of a guy named Jake Lehman. Um, he he sounds like you have an awesome name for a 19 eight, late 1980s, uh, detective show. Uh, I'm, I'm Jake Layman. <laughs> and, you know, the story would be, you know, the, the layman's rules or not, you know, the layman's terms see, that if I see someone do that show now, if you're anyone other than Steve Allen, you're stealing my bit. Anyway, how are you, Dan? Oh, not bad. Not bad. On this uh, this this fine evening. Now, before we get stuck, we're going to do a special shout out to Adam, maybe who normally joins us for our NBA ch- NBA chats, but uh, he's down with a uh, with an Achilles injury, I think. Oh no, wait, that's Anthony Davis. <laughs> um, now he's just no, he's just uh, burning the candle at both ends with uh, a lot of things that are going on. So uh, hopefully uh, he will join us for our next one, and uh, you know Dan's going to step in and do what we need to be done and chat about the NBA. What an exciting yeah. interesting season it has been so far in the association. Uh, we're almost halfway through. It's All-Star well it's not so much weekend this weekend but it's going to be All-Star day on when well, they they're going to have an All-Star game on Monday morning our time and have the dunk comp at halftime. Um, what what do you think is the, the the one thing the headline story out of uh, what's just under one half of the NBA season
1: so far? Um well, I guess it's kind of the weird unpredictability of the season so far. We've had so many surprises. Um, and I guess the other part of it, um, if I had to pick one, is probably the the craziness that has been the close Eastern Conference. Um, it seems like, you know, a couple of games and the entire standing, just about the entire standings change uh, in the East, it's so close. So, yeah, that's probably the thing I would... Uh, I I would focus on the East has been really, really competitive. Um, Yeah.
0: It's been a very tight Eastern Conference and uh, one and a half games separate fourth and tenth in the Eastern Conference at the moment at the time of recording. The Sixers are on top. They're 22 and 12, which would equate to one – a 53 and 29 season for over a full 82 game season. Obviously, we're not about to have a full 82 game season. Um, it would also be good enough for fifth in the Western Conference. So, um, and the Sixers are still a team that isn't very good away from home, even without fans and all that sort of thing. Um, there, is, there are very few teams in the Eastern Conference who have a, who have a winning record on the road. It's the Nets at 9 and 7, the Pacers and Bulls at 8 and 7. So the Sixers are 8 and 9. Last year they were a lot worse than that. So to get back to 500 is an improvement, but they're still a very, very good team in the city of Brotherly Love. We're going 14 and 3 at home. But I guess that uh, brings it. it, Going through the Eastern Conference, you've got the Sixers in the one spot, the Nets, uh, who have played the last few weeks without Kevin Durant, but have gone 8 and 2 in their last 10 games. They lost yesterday to the Mavericks, but uh, before that had been very good. The Bucks are third. Um, they had a big win today over the Los Angeles Clippers, which I'm sure Adam will be happy about. And then you've got this—you've got this middle where you've got amazingly at the moment seven teams on seventeen losses. Exactly. So the Knicks have the Knicks have a. Uh, Eighteen wins. The Heat, the Celtics, the Raptors have seventeen. The Hornets have sixteen. The Pacers and the Bulls have fifteen. Now we do have one or two very hardcore Knicks fans uh, on the podcast who are uh, who listen to the podcast. So uh, shout out to them. And uh, but the Knicks are in the fourth seed. If the playoffs uh, started today, they'd host. Uh, They'd host. They'd have home court advantage through the first round of the playoffs. They'd also play the Miami Heat, which brings back a lot of memories, both good and bad, for people of our age, Dan. About mm-hmm. those Nick Nick Heat rugby scrums of playoff series in the late nineties. Yes, indeed. Um, I missed them. It, you missed them. <laughs> um, no, is basketball not physical enough these days.
1: Ah, uh, look, I. I do love the um, I do love the way the scores swing these days. It's exciting, um, but I won't say I'm entirely with uh, with Sir Charles Barkley on this. But um, for my for my taste, there's more focus on everyone shooting threes these days than uh, I would like. That said, I mean they're very good at it. <laughs> they're doing very well. Um, but yeah, I do miss some of the physicality of the uh, of the uh, the teams we used to follow.
0: Mm. The Knicks had a win today against the Detroit Pistons, which is you know not saying a lot. But um, another twenty five points from Julius Randle, eight rebound, six assists. Randle was unlucky not to make it into the All Star team. Um, our our friend friend of the program. Uh, Adam, Amy was a huge fan of Julius Randle when he played for his Los Angeles Lakers. Um, it's been interesting to see how they've uh, come together. They traded for Derek Rose,
1: so I think they're trying to win now. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the most interesting things about the uh, the Knicks off season, particularly compared to you know, I guess previous seasons, was how relatively quiet it was. Um, and actually, I remember one thing: the cons- a consensus uh, being about the the offseason, off season that it was quiet. And actually, that was for them a really good a really good off season. Um, I mean, they do have a couple of they they have a couple of young guys, some of whom have uh, have really come out to play this season. Um, I still have stock in RJ Barrett, um, and um, you know he's had some really good stretches this year. But of course, Randall. I did not see that coming. It's been, he's been, he's been really great this year.
0: He's been excellent. They've won seven of their last ten. I think, and this is, this is a point some <laughs> other people have made on various uh, podcasts and TV shows that this year has become a year where if you sort of brought back a very similar roster to last year, it was, it's become an advantage. And we've seen that in the Western conference with the Utah jazz who, um, I totally wrote off before the start of the season. Um, so the Knicks didn't make many moves. And of course, the year before, they got criticized a lot for sort of spending the money that they had reserved to sign Kevin Durant. When And when that didn't happen, they went out and spent money on guys who weren't that good. But what they did do for the main part, except the Randall signing, was uh, they, they signed them on short-term deals. So they weren't necessarily tied down long-term. So... It's good to see them 16. They're above 500 and there's only other three other teams of the Eastern Conference who could say that at the moment and it, I feel that's been more the commonplace in the Eastern Conference in the last 10 to 15 years than, than not, but you've got some surprising teams below them, uh, both surprising in good ways and bad ways. The Miami Heat have won their last six. They're only a half game behind the Knicks at the moment. And if you remember correctly, they are the defending Eastern Conference champions. The Celtics are 17 and 17 and they've had all sorts of problems. The Toronto slash Tampa Bay Raptors uh, <laughs> are also seventeen seventeen, which is sort of amazing considering that they don't have a, really have a home game this season. The very surprising, sh- the very surprising Charlotte Hornets. I mean, they've been they've been a huge story between Gordon Hayward getting back on the juvenation machine and you know Lamelo almost getting written off before his NBA career had started, and you know turning out to be this in, this. Uh, Having this incredible rookie season, um, and also you know clutch Terry, scary Terry Rozier, and and Malik Monk, and all these role players, so the Hornets have uh, have been very good as well. They they beat the Suns, I think, last week, and then you've got the Pacers and the Bulls who have also been competitive. And sorry, uh, sort of, sort of um, you know, the Pacers are about where I thought they, but I sort of thought they were going to drop off a little bit, and they've been injured, but. Um, the Bulls have been competitive behind uh, an All-Star caliber first half of the season from Zach Levine. So, well, I think I think he can drop the caliber now. I mean, he, he yeah. is an All-Star. Mm. <clears throat> so, um, it's it's been yeah. The Eastern Conference is interesting because all these teams that are really close. Um, if you had to pick one of those teams with the Sixers the Nets and the Bucks in the 1 2 3 spot if you had to pick one of those teams to uh, finish in the fourth spot come the end of the season at this stage who would you pick
1: out of the Sixers the Nets and the Bucks and the um,
0: Knicks and the Heat and the Celtics and the Raptors and uh Hornets yeah I think I think the Sixers and sorry I think the Sixers the Nets and the Bucks finish 1 2 3 um, yep. but then the next seven um, who do you think will get that fourth spot
1: ah uh, I I've gotta say, I've got a I've got a real well, you know, I mean it, it goes back a while. I've got a real love for the heat. Um mm. I think that if they can um if they can get and stay healthy, um I think that they've got a they've got a bit of a run in them. Um are so it's so close right now. Um it's only gonna take a few games to do it. Um I I yeah, my, my pick my pick would be the heat. Uh but I won't be at all surprised um, that the Knicks make the playoffs, though.
0: Mm. I mean, they are three and a half games above the Hawks in the eleventh spot, and we'll get to why that's the important, important cutoff point. Yeah, in a minute. But
1: um,
0: yes, yeah, so, I mean, there is <laughs> Yeah, but there's there's a there is a there is a probably a lot of trepidation amongst Knicks fans. They want to enjoy what's going on, and they should. But you know they feel that you know maybe a tough part of the schedule or a collapse or an injury happens around the corner, and they it won't take much of a losing streak to fall right off the pace, considering how uh, close everyone is. And you know um, the Hawks are four, the Hawks are fourteen and twenty. Um, they haven't been terribly inspiring. And I, I think Adam and I both thought that they were a, a sneaky chance to sneak into the playoffs this season. The Wizards, who I think are who I had because I thought the Westbrook trade was going to work, and it didn't work, and then it sort of started working. Um, And the Cavaliers, who started the season off really well and then lost a whole bunch of games in a row, they've won their last three. So um, the Pistons look pretty bad, and the Magic have hardly any fit bodies. So I I tend to think it'll be the Heat as well. They've had that success. Um, They've got a leader and reliable clutch playoff guy, Jimmy Butler. And if they're going to be having to win those games going down the stretch to get into the four spot. The other thing (laughs) is I I think they've got that, that nucleus. It'll be interesting to see if they try and make a move um, to better their team. Maybe someone like Carl Lowry is available for a team like Miami, but you know, do you give up Dragic, that sort of stuff? You trade one expiring for another expiring. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they do or whether they just stand pat. Um, but I do feel they have that experience. And the other thing to mention about the Heat is they were in, they were the fifth seed last year and got out of the East. So I know it was a special situation. They were in the bubble, the bubble was in Florida, but um, they know what it takes to win, you know, back to back to back playoff series. So,
1: well, yeah. And I guess we, the other thing. You know, don't rule out the possibility that the play- there might be another playoffs bubble this mm. season. It's been talked about. Um, and some of that, some of those really, you know, um, specific circumstances that came about in the bubble and the types of things that help people thrive there or not, or do not so well there might become a factor again, you know? Um, uh, I think one of the biggest things about the teams that have stayed together, right? Is they've had a chance to um, to build some chemistry. Uh, I mean, we'll get to it when we talk about the um, uh, the West later. But I actually think that's one of the most important things behind um, the Jazz so far this season. So, um, you know, the Heat if they can keep everyone up, if they can, um, you know, uh, not get too badly affected by um, COVID protocols going forward. um, Yeah, I think they've got they've got a good shot. To you know, to move up just a little, moved up just a little in the standings. Mm.
0: I think the one thing that would be the danger to that in the East would be if the Celtics managed to hit a home run with a with a trade because they've got this enormous trade exception they got through the Hayward deal. So Hayward leaving the Hornets, they've got like a twenty over twenty five million dollar trade exception. So
1: that's that's slightly. So I was listening to a um. I was listening to the um one of the ringer pods uh, mismatch. Um that that trade exception uh my understanding is it's it's slightly more difficult to um to use than it might appear because there's some rule about it not being allowed to be packaged with anything. So you need to basically get you know like a single player in that sort of you know mid star but not um uh, you know, that, that sort of 20 to 25 mil range. You need to be one person. And then mm. the question becomes who's actually available for that. Mm. Um, um, and well. because there's there's limited shifting, you know, they're probably going to have either a bigger exception than they get a salary. Um, but, you know, the guys who are in that range might actually be, might not be available. So, mm. um, yeah, it might be slightly less uh, useful than it might initially appear. Mm, but it's a sizable trade so It's going to be useful in oh, yeah. some way. Yeah. Yeah, so oh, yeah
0: and, yeah, and they've got to use it. It that my understanding is it disappears at the end of the season, so they've got to turn it into something, yeah, because trade exception ain't getting any rebounds, so <laughs> he's not scoring any points. Um, so you no, but his to turnover
1: ratio is through the roof,
0: yeah. It's uh, you, your calculator just blew up, um. <laughs> So, I mean, if the Celtics can do something, but obviously Marcus Smart's out at the moment and they're a sort of a two-man team, um, and Kemba is not the Kemba they were hoping they were getting. But, you know, injuries have happened. Um, quick pivot to the top of the Western Conference, and that you did mention the Utah Jazz, who um, I put a line through at the start of the season pretty much because, I mean, they didn't make a move. They didn't get it. They didn't, their roster didn't look any better. And uh, other than I think they added Derek Favors. And I thought Mike Conley was done. And that's just simply not the case. They, uh, they, uh, have the league's best record. They have a t- plus 10 points differential. Um,
1: they well, have Fifteen point differential. Mike Conley, I'm, I'm not sure if this is still true, but until quite recently at least. He led the entire league in total plus-minus mm. for the season. And, and that's after missing a few games. Yeah, and most importantly,
0: he's still uh, a chance to be known as the best player ever to not make an all-star game.
1: So he <laughs> that
0: streak alive. He keeps that streak alive. He's injured at the moment. He didn't play on the weekend against the Orlando Magic, but uh, not surprisingly, the Jazz were able to handle the Magic without him. They've got uh, Ingles playing guard, so... Good to see Aussie Joe continuing to get it done in Utah. Um, there's been some comparisons with the jazz teams of the late '90s that, uh, for their
1: sort of offensive efficiency. Um, Did you see I- that video with um, Ingalls and uh, and Mitchell being interviewed? No, I didn't. So one of the reporters asked Mitchell uh, Donovan Mitchell how he felt about you know. Um, comments by people like Shaq and that sort of thing. Um, and Mitchell said, oh, you know, look, I, I, I'm i really only accountable to my teammates and, you know, my team and they're the only ones whose opinions, are, uh, you know, really matter to me. And uh, Joe Ingalls, who was standing nearby, said, I don't think you're a star. <laughs> and Mitchell went, yeah, that's fair.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the other thing is I think after, you know, the events of last season, which sort of the Utah Jazz were sort of the, was sort of the the starting point for all the stuff that happened in the NBA to the point where the sort of the season got postponed with Gobert and him jokingly touching the microphones and then and then him having COVID um and him getting Mitchell him getting Mitchell inf- infected which was sort of the first sort of one NBA cake, one, but it, it was the first COVID infection in the NBA and then and, and then Gobert had passed on to his teammate, and I guess everyone just assumed those two guys weren't going to be able to play anymore and they were going to move Gobert. Well, the, you know, we couldn't have been more wrong because they, they seem to be the team with the best chemistry, and I think that video probably proves it. Um, mm-hmm. Mitchell either seems to be a pretty down-to-earth guy or he just has a real love for the Australian sense of humour because I think we can all appreciate in Australia, you know, Joe Ingalls just hanging crap on his teammate like <laughs> oh yeah eh, he's not that good um but they have you know they're a, they're a, they're an incredible team together and that seems to be the basis of their success um is their familiarity with each other and the way go sort of anchors that defense he's already won i think a couple of defensive player of the year awards and it'd be it'd be hard to see him Playing the rest of the season and not winning another one.
1: Oh, I have a I have a view about that. Um, he's certainly he's certainly got to be in the running. Um, I think there are some pretty strong contenders. Um, you you uh, prefer for
0: that? You, you prefer Joe Ingles' international teammate to his uh, NBA
1: teammate? Is that what you're suggesting? I do. Yeah, particularly yep. after watching watching said player um, against um, uh, against Dallas. The other night, mm. um, yeah, but we will get to that. Um, certainly, though, um, you know, Gobert has been fantastic, a consistent kind of anchor. Um, he, I think, people often um, like it can be his defensive prowess is so is so good that um, it can be easy to miss how um, valuable Gobert can be on offense as well, and he's I think he's he's really showing that. This season. Um, He doesn't need to be the guy who goes out and gets 40. they have got one of those. Um, But, um, you know, he does set some good picks, you know, consistently scores, does some good um, kind of rim running, um, has a couple of moves around the basket. um, And with the spacing they've got with their shooters, you know, like forget about it. So, yeah, no, I mean, not to take anything away from uh, Stifle Tower, which... Isn't my favourite nickname, but um, <laughs> you know, I think his, uh, his 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 defense has certainly not been any less impressive than it's ever been, including in the years where he won uh, defensive player of the year. Um,
0: just just for those playing at home, if you want the answer to what Daniel's favourite NBA nickname is, it's any nickname given to Tony Kukoc. So it's either the Pink Panther <laughs> or the Waiter or any of the other incredibly awful nicknames that Tony Kukoc was apparently given that didn't take. Um, uh, we're not throwing in like an old-school 90s NBA joke every 10 minutes. Then we're just not giving the 14 people who listen to this podcast what they want. Um <laughs> The other team that the historic team that the Jays have been compared to is the 2014 San Antonio Spurs in 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 light of their ball movement. So it, you did you did mention their passing, and I think they're a team that when you got a guy like Ingles, who's who's one of your wings, um, but also you know Conley and Mitchell, you know they're 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 not just good shooters, good scorers, they're 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 creators, and uh, you know else you got their Bogdanovich. Um, I always get those guys mixed up. Uh, those guys, it, you mean it, the two? Paul guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, then sure. first names are almost the same as well. Um, and then they have got Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, like he's like Vinnie Johnson. So yeah, you know, they 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 like they have a good seven or eight man rotation. And the fact is, they are three and a half games clear of the Lakers, who aren't, who are five and five in their last ten, running LeBron to the ground. Um, so. Yeah, you know, if the Jays finish with the number one seed, that means they don't have to play one of the LA teams until the conference finals. If one of the LA teams make the conference finals, so I think everyone assumes the Lakers are going to be there at the pointy end, but um, they've got to get Anthony Davis back on the floor.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I kind of wonder. I do kind of wonder about this. Um, I saw some uh, uh, like a some quotes from from LeBron about the minutes. I mean, he's leading the league since um since Ad uh, got injured, and um as in the entire league, leading the entire league in minutes per game since then, and um you know he's he was kind of defiant about that, saying, well, you know, I've never talked about this needing rest. I mean, people, including uh, people here, have talked to me about um you know needing to needing to rest and be fresh, but that's not you know that's not something he's interested in. Um. I, I think it probably has something to do with there's a because he's in the MVP conversation again, um, and you know uh, there are many people who think he's a front runner. Um, I think that might be motivating uh, his desire to really put on a good show in the regular season, um, as well as his habitual good show in the in the postseason. Um, I wonder whether that is one of the factors in. Um, uh, kind of insisting on playing so many minutes, even though it might be. I mean, you know, you're seeing you're seeing Giannis, a much younger guy, uh, also something of a physical specimen. Um, there's a he's playing a career low in minutes, uh, and that's a that's kind of a a deliberate move uh, um, with his cooperation on part of the kind of the coaching and um, coaching and uh, kind of training staff. Um, in order to keep him as fresh as possible for the playoffs, you know. So yeah, I mean, it does it does give it does give me some worries that you know uh, LeBron, as as great as he is, might be uh, potentially might might be risking hurting himself or something.
0: Um, so here's a question for you, Daniel. And obviously, yeah. LeBron is well. He's almost at fifty thousand minutes, uh, mm-hmm. regular season minutes, with another at least another 10,000 playoff minutes. on. How many times has LeBron played all 82 games in a regular season in his career?
1: Ah, uh, so this is the question where I'm not allowed to look it up, right?
0: Yeah. Oh no, no. This is when you have a guess. I've got it in front of me, but, uh, um, he's played, he's, in his, he's, he's played 17 complete seasons as in, his, you know, he's in his 18th season this time. How many times of those 17 seasons has he played all 82? Uh, I don't know.
1: Five.
0: Once, once, right, in 2017, 18 So when he also yep. uh, led the league in minutes per game, so he's led the league mm-hmm. in minutes per game three times. but well, in his okay. second season, and then in the in the last two of his second of his Cleveland seasons, the second time he was there. So it's it's interesting. I mean, look the the Giannis thing. I'm not a huge fan of that because I think there's a point where unless you're an old guy like Stockton did at the end of his career, he played 28 minutes a game by design. I think if you're a young guy, you want to be—you uh, just want your teammates to become familiar with playing with you. He's playing 30 minutes. I feel like that's six minutes a game where he, some of his teammates could get the opportunity to play with him and they could be trying things. Um, but LeBron has played a lot of minutes, um, a lot of games. And he's, you know, it's become sort of this. I find it interesting to sort of think about because obviously he gets compared to Jordan a lot, and the, the, I find that the most recent thing he gets compared to is this sort of LeBron ability to turn everything into fuel for his performance, which I don't know if he necessarily had that rep even two or three years ago. But and this is one of those things. It's like people saying LeBron's played too much. I'll show them. Um you know, the, the, the gag from the last dance. So I took that personally. Yeah, he took that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he took that. <laughs> um, but this seems like – this seems a little bit like Bradford Smith to me as it, it seems like he's sort of inventing a slight to try and use it for fuel because this is a legitimate problem. He's 36 years old. He's in his 18th NBA season. Um, he's playing for a man at that age in the un- un- unprecedented amount of minutes considering he's not playing center. So – yeah you know and and he's he is and we'll get into this argument in a little while, but he's the probably the most indispensable player on a contender you know if this is an Anthony Davis team without LeBron james uh
1: they're the pelicans from three or four years ago I think they're I think they've got a more balanced construction than those pels, but yeah i I do take your point um. They're probably not still overwhelming favourites to win it all at this point in the season. Um,
0: I think we all saw when they added Schroeder and Gasol and and Montrez at the start of the season, you're just like, these are upgrades. They just won the championship and these are upgrades on the guys they had. And, you know, Schroeder was an upgrade on Rondo and, and Gasol was an upgrade on Dwight Howard. And... Montrez Harrell was an upgrade. I mean, I think Marquise Morris is still there in LA, but you know, um, Montrez was an upgrade on him. So you know, we brought in better guys, and we've kept everyone else that we wanted to keep. Um, We're going to be better this season, and I think I think it's a good it's a good example of why you need to keep in mind they don't play these games on paper. Once the season starts rolling, and of course they ran out to a, They started the season really well and looked unassailable. But you know, Davis is an off injured, often injured player. So it was, I'm not worried yeah. about them. But I'm not worried about the Lakers per se. But I'd like to see. You know, I'd be less worried if LeBron was taking a night off every now and then, and just like, okay, it's the third game in four night or something like that. Yeah. We'll just cop the L, lose by twenty points, and then you get your rest. I've
1: got a slightly different take on some of the moves. So I think by and large, the moves you talked about were, you know, they, they did. They clearly kind of read as upgrades. With Trez, I was less sure because, I mean, eventually when it all comes down to it, at that backup center position, he's 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 actually replacing uh, Dwight Howard and McGee, right? Who both left. Mm. Um. You know, Dwight Howard, who left for a team that is perhaps not entirely coincidentally, I'm not suggesting he's the biggest part of it, but not entirely coincidentally uh, topping the other conference right now. Um And, you know, if you think about what both, um, you know, McGee and uh, Dwight Howard bring, these are things that Trez does not bring at all. You know, he's not a great defender. Um, he's undersized. He's undersized at centre, his preferred position, and he's he's just not a great defender. Um, he's a better scorer uh, than uh, particularly McGee. Mm. And they got very um, little offensive output out of Howard and McGee last year. Was yeah, you know, yeah, you know, rim, and the fact rim that, running
0: you know, and putbacks and
1: stuff like that. But I also think it's really changed the style of play, right? Um, because, you know, Gasol, much as I think he's, he's kind of a more balanced and complete player in a lot of ways, you know, um, he, his preferred way of, um, of contributing to offense is, is quite different. Um, it's more about, um, spacing and, you know, hitting, hitting jump shots than it is about, um, you know, kind of grinding and rim running, which is what the other, um, you know, the, the center, Collection they had last season was, um, I guess, mostly uh, mostly about. Um, so yeah, I mean,
0: are you suggesting I, I, that uh, that Gasol and Harrell, compared to Howard and McGee they get in the way a little bit more? Not necessarily, not necessarily with the spacing. I sort of stuff, not physically, but sort of in terms of the way the Lakers want to play.
1: Yeah, I think without. Uh, like what, what it's showing is that they they have a different profile of strengths and weaknesses, right? Um, they're both better offensive players than the two guys that um, the Lakers had last season. But they also have to they also change to get the most out of them. They also have um, a powerful influence on the way you have to play. Um, and some of those uh, some of those things are really very complementary when the entire roster is healthy. You know, AD plays well with both of those guys.
0: Mm. Well, I would um, say those two guys would have less of a problem defensively when Anthony Davis is playing, who's an elite defensive player.
1: Mm. Yeah. You know, and Gasol is, you know, he's a former defensive player of the year. Like, he's, mm. he's, he's, he's definitely got a lot to offer there. Um, I suppose um, it's, I, I guess I think of their team now as being overall, frankly, better constructed when everyone's healthy than last season. Um, But one, they've had a couple of key changes. So there's some integration that needs to happen. And, you know, they've already shown pretty good chemistry thus far. But when one of the key pieces is missing, um, who wasn't missing during key parts of last season, we're seeing um, what they're missing, if that makes sense. Um, uh, You know, because because they fit together so well and don't have as much redundancy when they have... uh, um, an injury the the gap is more obvious I mean plus it's AD that they're missing so you know yep. one of the one of their two best players so
0: yeah as I said I'm not really worried about the Lakers I think they'll be there at the point again but I'd probably yep. like it if I was a Laker fan if LeBron was playing fewer minutes or playing the same amount of minutes but just having a game here and a game there where he didn't suit up yeah yeah but I think yeah and it's funny this might be just something about LeBron compared to MJ, which is probably part of the reason why he attracts the level of, I guess, for want of a better term, lack of respect that as, as, as MJ did. Is LeBron seems to care about what other people think a little bit more. So maybe this is a perception thing with LeBron. He's like he doesn't want to be seen to uh, to take a night off. He's got to be the you know the warrior. It didn't seem to bother him through most of his career when he has, for whatever reason, missed a game here and there. In his in his four seasons in Miami, he, pl- he played 62, 76, 77, and 60, and, uh, sorry, 79, 62, 60, 76, and 77 games. So he never got to 80. And he had one season where he missed quite a bit of basketball. Um, he You know, he has only two other 80 game seasons in his career so he normally most of his most of his career seasons fall somewhere between like 74 and 79 games so he hasn't had this issue before but he seems to have it now that like, I can't be seen to miss a game
1: well like I say I think you know look honestly I think he's got a few more extremely elite levels ahead of him uh, sorry elite seasons ahead of him including this one um, but nevertheless, he's definitely in the kind of probably in the later stages, shall we say, of his career where legacy is something that is worth thinking about. And I think that is very much on his mind, you know, yeah. um, have, have you heard? And of course there is that kind of intense competitive, um, character that he's got. Um, are you familiar with the first thing he said to Marcusol when he arrived? No. Um, I don't want to get the exact quote wrong, so I won't claim this is verbatim. But it was along the lines of, um, "You've you, you've still got my defensive player of the year trophy on your <laughs> in your house," um, and you know, like I, I think there are there are people, um, and by people I mean LeBron himself and some others, who think he probably should have won. You know, maybe uh, seven or eight MVPs. In a row, um, you know, when he was when he was contending for championships in Miami and Cleveland. Um, so you know, and and after the um, after the championship last year, you know, what what did he say? He said, again, don't want to misquote, but something about putting respect on my name. Um, you know, legacy is something that clearly matters to him. Um, something that he's been thinking about a lot. Something that. Um, I can't but believe that the last dance happening last year, when everyone was stuck at home and everyone watched it, was something that really had him thinking about how he's going to be remembered, even if he plans to play for five years or more. You know, mm. um, and having uh, having his his best teammate, possibly his best teammate ever, um, going out and increasing his minutes to compensate. I mean, it's narratively, it's a very it's very powerful. You know, he he really does feel seem to feel a um a burden to contribute um, this season, um and part of that is by showing that he can, you know, tough it out, be productive, um keep keep everything going while uh, while they wait for AD to get back. You know, I think it's um I think it's important, and if you think about LeBron's case for MVP this season, um I think it was Simmons. Bill Simmons, who was saying, uh, who had pointed this out, that it's, you know, it's like his ninth best statistical season, you know, LeBron's ninth best statistical season. I, w-
0: but, I was, um, I was yeah. just about to move to that because you were talking about narratives and, you know, yeah. um, it is interesting that this is his narrative that LeBron is going to win the MVP this season because I tend I tend to, you know, agree with that uh, that analysis that, He's not necessarily having his best season. Um, his numbers, his points and his rebound numbers are slightly up on last year, but it, his assist numbers are so far the lowest they've been since 2015-16, which was a reasonable year for him because he won a championship. But, um, and they're, uh, yeah, you know, so the below eight assists to get, he, he, you know, he's a 36 year old is averaging essentially 26, eight and eight. So we, we're really nitpicking, but, um, I think we, I think, I think this has sort of gone so far that first of all, the problem here is we've, I think, I think the sort of, the community has decided, well, Jan- would have to average a 40, 20 to win the MVP this season. Um, I'm not saying Giannis is having a, a a season that would deserve the award, but basically, you know, he's out of calculations this year because he won the last two. And no one, you know, no yeah. one's going to win three in a row. Um, but also, on top of that, there's this narrative that LeBron hasn't won enough MVPs. Yeah. And the MVP is a single season award. Um, and a regular season award, too. And a regular season award. So, um, He won the MVP in twenty twelve, when he played sixty two games. That that doesn't happen an awful lot. That was also the year I think Gasol won LeBron's Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, So you could make an argument regarding that season. He didn't win in twenty eleven because everyone had decided that he wasn't going to win because he had just left Cleveland in in the manner in which he did leave them. Um, The year he you know. The statistical season that is the one that sticks out for Lebron in terms of a year he didn't win the award was 2008, when yeah he led the league in scoring. Um, he 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 averaged career highs in rebounds and assists, um, and blocks. Uh, he shot his best field goal percentage from the field, and that was the year that everyone decided that we're going to give it to Kobe. LeBron finished fourth that (laughs) year. He got one first-place vote. So (laughs) Kobe overwhelmingly won the award. Um, Chris Paul finished second. Chris Paul had the most win shares that season, Um, had the most win shares per 48 minutes. Um, And Kevin Garnett finished third because he was, was, of course, the transformative player in the league that season from moving from one team to another. That was his first Boston season. Boston won the championship. Um, Boston, he turned Boston into a into a championship contender. So, and LeBron finished fourth with, with everything we just said. So, but LeBron wouldn't be the only person who's ever been wrong with an MVP. We grew up in the 90s. Um, MJ should have won seven MVPs, but he won five. Um, yeah. The Barkley over Jordan one was moderately egregious, although Barkley fell into the same category as Garnett, as in he had just moved teams and suddenly the team he had gone to was had the best record in the NBA. And,
1: um, you know, again, I, I think it's worth, worth remembering um, that, because I think it happens all the time, right, that someone wins the MVP and then they don't win the championship and everyone's like, oh, you've got egg on your face because you're wrong. Because clearly they weren't really the MVP because they didn't win the championship. But the fact is that it's a regular season award. In fact, we saw this, um, kind of intensified last season with the bubble Mm. when all of the regular season awards, people were not allowed to consider the bubble, Mm. uh, in even the regular season games in the bubble as part of the voting, right? So all, all of the, um, all of the awards for last season were, um, Meant to be based on kind of pre-bubble, which, you know, I mean, it was so long, <laughs> so long before mm. that, you know, <laughs> I'd be surprised how well uh, um, if, if people remembered those games very well, you know, because it's yep. been months and months. Yeah. Um, but, you know, was it, was it definitely wrong? I mean, I, I used to feel that way, that, um, you know, MJ definitely should have won those awards. I'm, I don't doubt that he was definitely the best player in the league. Um, in both of those, both of those seasons where he didn't win it. Um, but was he the most important regular season player? I'm open, to, I'm open to arguments now in a way that I wasn't back at the time. Um, anyway, sorry. Bit of a rant. That's all right. No, no, no. that's fine. No, no, I didn't know to.
0: Um, I'm just trying to t- play off summary. I'm just, just going to click on something else. Be, bear with me while I navigate. There we go. MVP. Yeah, so Michael Jordan finished third that year in the MVP. He received 13 first-place votes. There weren't as many first-place votes. There weren't as many people voting. Um, Jordan had the most win shares. He had the most win shares per 48. Um, Barkley finished first, and Hakeem Olajuwon finished second. So, as I said, mildly, moderately egregious. Um, The real uh, turd in the punch bowl for the MVP was uh, 96-97. Uh, When Carl Malone won, uh, he beat Michael Jordan. Um, Again, Michael Jordan, first in win shares, first in win shares per 48. Um, Malone had 63 first-place votes, and Michael Jordan had 52 first-place votes. The the 97 MVP is like the Al Pacino-winning best actor for uh, set of women. It's just like, you've been really good for a really long time. Have this. Um, (laughs) Funnily enough, Malone got a second in the lockout season, so um there's some weird things Glenn Rice finished fifth in the MVP that year so yeah yeah that was that was an interesting year to say the least um the last guy to win the MVP in the same year he won a championship was Steph Curry and it was Steph Curry's first title so it just doesn't happen that often and it hasn't happened in a number of years um Harden Westbrook Durant in OKC, Giannis. None of them have won championships in the years, and only Durant has won a championship. So it's it's an interesting one. But I I I I don't subscribe to this. You know, LeBron is owed MVPs. So there's a couple of ways yeah. that you can make the argument. 2008, where he finished nowhere near winning in the actual voting, um, is one. And the other one is the is the is the year where he he uh, went to Miami. But they weren't going to give it to him. It was you know he went to someone else's team and you know he the decision and everything around that. so
1: yeah, yeah. in fact, um, again, like uh, the uh, with uh, Bill Simmons and Brian vassillo they they actually went back and looked at the case for the mm. the kind of the, that stretch, you know the, the eight the eight years that eight year stretch about um kind of being in contention for MVPs back then and they made pretty persuasive cases. Um, Simmons actually said, because he does have a vote, yeah. that um, in hindsight he would have changed his mind the year he voted for um, uh, Derek Rose. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, aside from that, like, they, you know, they came out feeling like the right people won MVP those years. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, look there's a real um and not 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 a lot of players get to this point right but there is um a lot of gravity around uh, LeBron's image now it's not quite the same aura that you know mJ had but there are games and there are plays and there are sequences where his aura and force of personality get him things he would otherwise not get i'm talking about on the court yeah you know there are guys who are afraid of him there are guys who are in awe of him. There are guys who grew up watching him play, and with post a poster of him on their wall, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, he deserves that. He deserves to be in that kind of category. But you know, he he he's maybe one MVP short of what he would otherwise um, would otherwise be, you know, kind of eligible for. I think he, generally speaking, has the right number of MVPs, in my opinion.
0: Fair enough, and you know it, it's 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 not. No one's going to think, oh, he only won four four MVPs, so he's not the second best player of all time. So,
1: well, and look, I think the other part of it is this: right? People often talk about or think about the MVP race as if it's either just an award for the best current player, um, or the only decision to be made is whether this person deserves it or not. Um, without really considering the field. I mean, we've spent however long we've spent talking about the MVP and we haven't mentioned any of the other candidates. And we've had some real explosions in performance from some of these guys this year. You know, Joel Embiid, who is my front runner actually, uh sorry, would be my front runner um if I wasn't so um convinced that LeBron's narrative is going to trump it. Um <laughs> Uh, Joel Embiid basically knuckled down after he got called out by Shaq and Shaq and the guys on um, uh, on TV, and he did everything that they they said. You know, he knuckled down. He worked hard. He turned up in shape. He stayed in shape. He stayed healthy. And guess what? He's he's the surest two points in the league, right? And he gets fouled like anything. He's 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 amazing this season. Um, and there are other guys who are doing um, really impressive things uh, and are clearly very influential to their team. Um, there's a guy who, frankly, I hadn't heard much about before um, this off-season when he was going to be, you know, available. Um, but, you know, Christian Wood has been playing at an all-star kind of level uh, in a Houston team that's, um, that, you know, Harden really disrupted before he left. And, um, you know, they started playing really well. They played with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. They played really well, led by him. Uh, and how valuable is he? Well, they haven't won since the game he was injured in. Mm. Uh, but no one's talking about him. Well, no, I mean, the Rockets weren't ever going to make the playoffs,
0: especially after the uh, the Harden trade. So he was never going to get mentioned. Because, you know, I mean, to be valuable, you can't... You, you, you can be valuable if you're the difference between your team winning 45 games and your team winning 60 games. But if you're the difference between your team winning 15 games and winning 30 games, you're not valuable. Yeah. Yeah, which is... Well, I always have this argument that the the, 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 the MVP that LeBron was really robbed of was the 2015 Finals MVP because his team lost in six. But, you know, by the end of that series, he had... I mean, Kyrie and Kevin Love were both hurt. I, and pretty much that entire series, I don't know how they won a game. Oh wait, I do because LeBron's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. So they didn't win the series, but he was the most valuable. They get swept. They get beat by twenty-five points in every game if he doesn't play in that series. So, but they gave it to the guy who defended him. Igudala, well, yeah. Which is like, which is also because there wasn't a standout candidate in that series from the Warriors.
1: So it's. I mean, well, I just I find that silly. And, again, you know, like I'm not saying they'll necessarily win it or anything, but, like, you know, Damian Lillard is balling up this season, right? He um, does every after, season. No, but even after CJ McCollum got injured during his, what, what was shaping up to be a career year for him, right, mm. um, you know, Lillard is, uh, I forget all of the exact kind of numbers, but he's he's kind of leading the league in all of the clutch stats, Right. Um, you know, he's averaging almost 30 points a game this season, and, you know, people, I've heard a few people, pundits, refer to his performance this year as playing at a kind of MVP level, but no one's talking about him as a, you know, someone who might actually get votes for MVP, you know. Mm. Um, Steph is, again, they're not contenders, right? They're not going to win it. But Steph is, Steph is playing out of his mind, and no one's talking about him as an MVP candidate, not a realistic one who might actually win this season. Um, it's insane because he's playing as well as he did in those
0: 15, 16 seasons when he's 16, he won unanimously. Yeah. The only three, a bit
1: the
0: only like, three sorry, a, he's a bit like Giannis now and a bit like Steve Nash in the 2000s. It's like, you won two MVPs. That's about the right number you should have. So yeah. we're not going to consider you. So Embiid is having, you know, for a center when we all thought that, you know, these guys were, Done and dusted from being dominant NBA players. He's having a, a generational season. Who was the last Senator to average thirty points a game? Oh, uh, was it was it Shaq? Did Shaq average thirty points a game during his season? Oh, uh, I'm not sure because when he played, I don't think too many people did. Yeah, so it might be someone it might be Kareem.
1: because you know?
0: that long ago, yeah. It, it wasn't Hakeem, it wasn't Patrick Ewing. Um. So, yeah, yeah, no, I no, mean, I don't, yeah. not that Embiid's well, done it for the whole season yet, but in that 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 MVP season for Shaq in 2000, he averaged 29.7 points a game, and he had uh, two other 29-point seasons. So he never got to he never got to 30 points a game. So this is where Embiid is historically. If he manages to keep up 30 points a game for the rest of the season, um, while you know he's he's never shot more than more than 49 percent from the field in the season he's shooting 52 percent this season um his three point shooting is he's shooting less threes but he's hitting the same amount he's shooting the threes at 40 41 percent this season his free throw shooting has improved and he's getting the line more often so he's an 85 86 percent free throw shooter he's getting the line 12 times a game Everything about Embiid's season is one the best he's ever produced. This is everything we wanted, you know. And, and you and I were both, you know, very much on the Philly should trade Embiid. It's not going to get better. And then he does the thing that we all wanted to
1: do, and they're the best team in the East. Well, yeah, I mean, we were both kind of of the view that you know that a lot of people had that Simmons and Embiid, as great as they were, uh, just didn't work together, hmm. and. Um, you know, you suddenly you had you had a some elite shooting. Um, Seth Curry, I think, has been really important for them. Um, you give um, you give Harris his identity back. You know, his his kind of Clippers all star identity back. Yep. Uh, and they're both they're both playing the best seasons of their careers. You know, um, Simmons and Embiid. Like, I I'm. I'm so happy for them that it's going this well because I just I did not see it I did not see it coming. Um, I thought there was perhaps a fireball in their future, you know, uh, yeah. where it would blow up and they'd have to get rid of one of them for much less than market value. Um, but I, um,
0: yeah, I I I, I, sorry, I agree. Sorry. I mean, the other guy who I would put in the conversation for MB uh, for uh, for MVP is Jokic. Um, yeah, yeah, because. You know, he's a guy who was a who had never averaged who had just once averaged 24. You know, he never more than 20.1 points a game, he was averaging having 26.7 this season while producing career highs in rebounds and assists. Um, another one whose field goal percentage has gone up a lot from the last two years, who's he's shooting the same number of threes but hitting more of them, um, and his free throw percentage has improved. So, you know, they're both having huge improvements in the season. Denver's problem is now they get they're going to get compared against the team that went to the conference finals, not the team that made the playoffs that season. If you know what I mean. So I think we yeah. all, you know, our ceiling for what Denver can do um, went up because they got through the conference finals. I mean, to be fair, historically, if you're playing for a spot in the conference finals and you're playing the Clippers, you won lottery. You won the lottery because you're going to be in the conference finals. So, so maybe the two I would suggest, um, uh, probably one and two for MVP in my mind rather than LeBron. Anyway, I think we've talked enough about one LeBron and two MVPs. Yeah. Um, let's quickly hit all-star rosters and we'll just hit that quickly. Uh, conference Eastern, the starters, uh, sorry, the captains are Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Uh, the rest of the starters: Janis, Bradley, Beal, Joel Embiid, and Kyrie Irving from the East. Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard from the West. And in the East, the reserves: Tatum and Brown from the Celtics, Harden from Harden averaging twenty-five and eleven from the Nets. Zach Levine, first-time All-Star, as is Julius. Julius Randle did make it. Um, ben Simmons, Nikola Vucevic, and DeMonte Sabonis is replacing Durant.
1: Yep, and so Tatum has at- been promoted. Tatum. Tatum's been promoted to the starting lineup.
0: Yep. So in yep. the Western Conference, Anthony Davis is named. He won't play. Uh, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Zion Williamson, and the replacement for Anthony Davis is Kevin Booker. Doc Rivers were you and Quinn to have. Oh, yep. Yeah, sorry. So yep, yeah, just yeah. Doc we- and Quinn are coaching.
1: How does it feel to have two Suns in the All Star Game?
0: I'd say it's pretty. Uh, we might as well get on this now because I've been uh, dancing around. It just feels very good to be a Phoenix Suns fan at the moment. One yeah. again today against uh, what I think could be generously described as your hapless Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, yep, we're yep, twenty-two and eleven. So you know we're a, we're a, we're a two wins out of every three team. We're we're a game out of second. Um. It's exciting, and it would be wonderful for us just to make the playoffs. But then, you know, for us, if we were to win a playoff series, you know, that would be incredible. Um, We're currently in the fourth spot. The five spot is currently taken by the San Antonio Spurs. Now, I'm angry because I want (laughs) the Spurs to fail, but if the cost of me having to be wrong on this is we get to beat them in a playoff series um that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make but uh, <laughs> they've played four fewer games so I think they've been hit by COVID and such I think they'll stay in the first spot because I got the Blazers the Nuggets and the Warriors and the Mavericks behind them immediately so um in the next four spots so um they're doing well at the moment but they've they've still got a plenty of games to play we were talking about all-star rosters so just quickly before we leave those is there anyone person who you thought who should be in the all-star game
1: who isn't at the moment um, look, honestly, I think that, and this is particularly true in the East, which is crazy this season, um, it's more that I think there were a bunch of guys um, who could have been on the bench. A subset of those guys are. Does that make sense? So mm. it's like they kind of had a similar, there's no like, oh, that, he was robbed sort of moment. It's not like that, but there are guys who, um, I guess, you know, there would have been a good case for bit of a coin flip. Um, you know, like, I mean, I thought, I, I think, you know, Van Vliet's having a really good season. Um, I mean, I get it. Like the guards in the East are really, really strong. I get why he didn't make it, hmm. but you know, like, um, He's he's you know he's he's clearly made a step. Um uh you know, Hayward's having a great season in in Charlotte, um, the surprising Charlotte Hornets, you know. Um uh so you know uh, he's I'm not his biggest fan, but I'm, I'm a I'm was slightly surprised that um that, that Trey Young didn't get more love. Um seems I seems to get maybe- mentioned
0: it, gets, it seems to get mentioned with the precursor I'm not his biggest fan a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um I, mean, I, I, I think- actually thought so I, I actually thought Colin Sexton um was a bit unlucky not to make it in. But again, you know, the guard strength is very high in the hmm. east. So Yeah. So they've got Simmons,
0: it. Levine, Harden and Brown and Tatum, who are essentially guards on the yeah. named on the bench those yeah, a couple of them guard forward. Yeah,
1: and, and again, you know, like while his scoring is down, um I I'm with some of the other um you know, I agree with uh with some of the other like pundit and stuff that actually I think this is probably Simmons Ben Simmons's best season um because of the other like because of his um, stellar play at the other side of the court. You know? Fair enough. And the other um, thing we have
0: to remember is with those guards in the east, Kyrie Irving remains exceptionally popular. So he always gets voted into the starters by the fans. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I don't want to say anything that's going to get me in trouble. I I mean, but (laughs) he's certainly, um, he's certainly entertaining as both a player and as a person. I'll put it that way. Fair enough. We'll leave the all-star at that. Um,
0: Okay. I think we've touched on everything I want to touch on. And the, uh, we are, we are past the hour mark. So, I want to talk about one thing and this is, this is some this is going to be, this is, this is the old man rants portion of the podcast. So, um, <laughs> but this season we've got another shortened season and we, we've got these play in tournaments. So for those who aren't aware, the top six in each conference make it. And then seven plays 10 and eight plays nine and the seven, the eight seed, they, they play, a they play two games and, um, Essentially, the team that's the higher seed, once they win a game, they're through. But the other team can get their spot by beating them twice on their on the on the higher seed team's floor. Um, so at the moment, the Raptors would host the Bulls, and the Bulls would have to beat Toronto twice in Tampa. Um, and uh, the Hornets would host the Pacers in the Eastern Conference. The Pacers would have to win twice in Charlotte. In the Western Conference, the Nuggets would host the Grizzlies and the Warriors would host the Mavericks, win what might be an insanely entertaining couple of games. I mean, anyone who watched the Warriors-Mavs game a couple of weeks ago can attest to. I, uh, but there's, there's two reasons why this play-in tournament is a really bad idea. First of all, I, I, mean, I, th- I think a lot of uh, fans and uh, sports administrators and, and people like that have tend to overreact about tanking. And I can un- and and having the play in tournament as a solution to tanking by keeping teams interested in uh, pl- you know trying to win later in the regular season um, will actually uh, in many many cases hurt a team's long term uh, growth and getting to their long term objectives. At the moment, you would put a lot into mathematically. Um, in the Western Conference, you put a line through the Timberwolves. The Rockets are five games out of the play-in spot. The Kings are four games out. The Thunder are three games. There's a bit of a gap between the 10 and 11 of two and a half games already. So maybe we know who the – I think a lot of people hope the Pelicans make a run. I've, I've had them in and around the playoffs in my predictions last two seasons. And it sort of just hasn't happened. But the Pelicans have shown signs recently they might be about to sort this out. They're a very bad road team, though. Um, Oklahoma – Despite best efforts, can't seem to stop being competitive. Um, <laughs> it's a lot tighter in the West, in the Eastern Conference, because um, okay, the Pistons are seven games back of the Pacers, and to put uh, sorry, in the Bulls, in the tenth spot. To put that into context, the Bulls are closer to the Sixes at the top of the Eastern Conference than they are to the Pistons, at the bottom, and they are the tenth seed uh, in the Eastern Conference. Uh the Cavs are only three games back, so you can pretty much only put a line through the pisses, The the Magic aren't gonna make a run, you would think, because of lack of bodies, you know, Fultz is hurt and and Isaac. Um but the Cavs could make a run. They've shown they can win a whole bunch of games. The Wizards have made a run
1: and the, the Cavs have a the Cavs have a four and zero record against the Sixers and the Nets this season.
0: Well, I mean, imagine they get the 10 seed. I don't know what happens if the 10 seed beats the 7 seed. Then does the does the, does the 10 seed then play the 1 seed or do they play the 2 seed? I don't know. But um, it was like the NFL playoffs. They play the 1 seed and, you know, if the Cavs, either way, you know, they the, They will be playing the 1 or the 2 seed. So um, they probably won't want to play them. But um, And Sexton had that incredible game, the double overtime against the Nets, didn't he, with one of those wins. So... Oh yeah, but it just—the other thing it does is—and this is something I've railed against with AFL football—and I don't know how to fix this because it might be a results or correlation causation thing—but it diminishes the importance of the regular season. Is this less urgency to win games? You know, if I'm, if I'm the Hornets, and that might not be a good example because you know they're they're uh, they're exceeding expectations, but they're like, oh, do we have to worry about because we we'll st- – doesn't matter, we're just going to be in the play-in play game anyway. So I, I just I – mean, I, I, I like I like a big, clear-cut line. We don't need more teams in the playoffs, and I'm not so worried about teams getting to halfway point of the season and realizing that it's not going to happen from this season. Let's start, you know,
1: planning for the future a little bit more. So honestly, I feel less strongly about whether it happens or not but um, just to play a little bit of, you know, devil's advocate, I guess, in terms of it reducing, like making regular season games not matter so much. I mean, in simple point of fact, people not caring about the regular season is an enduring problem, right? Like it's 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 already an issue. Yeah, um, but it's an enduring problem because the season is
0: normally 82 games. If you
1: want to make the regular season
0: more... more- I think the solution to that problem is fewer games. If the NBA was to bring in the two new teams like has been mooted, and they go to 32 teams, four divisions of four teams, you could go down to like 76 games very easily. You play everyone in your own division four times, you play everyone else in your conference three times, you play everyone in the other conference twice, I'm pretty sure that it goes up to 76 games, and suddenly six games are cut off. We've got 72 games this season, but the season's so compacted that Teams are being forced to sort of treat the regular season. You
1: yeah was always okay. going to be a season
0: so, where, we're, except for the Jazz, everything's sort of reverted to the mean. Everyone's sort of hovering, n- not too far away from five hundred. There's, there's one above seven. You know, w- winning more than one team winning more than seventy percent of their games, and there's only two teams who aren't winning thirty
1: four percent of their g- games. So, yeah. So I, I agree. The season's longer than it. Longer than it should be. Um, hmm. uh, and, you know, like, again, uh, there are lots of industry pundits who who think that too. The counter argument always given is, you know, TV rights. Well, I, I actually think there is, is a chance, if managed properly and perhaps in combination with uh, reviewing the regular season as a whole, I think the existence of the play-in tournament actually has a chance to increase the value of regular season games. Um, yeah. Because more teams are technically in with a chance to make the playoffs. Now, of course, if you end up in the 10th spot, what you're actually earning a right to is some extra games against playoff level competition for a chance to actually, um, get into the playoffs proper. But nevertheless, you know, like, um, you will see, uh, you will see people for as long as they keep it, you will see people, um, and teams um, pushing to get into that, right? Um, so, I mean, you know, you can kind of make that argument either way. Like people will care less about the games because they only need to be 10th. They don't need to be eighth. Um, or the teams below, um, can stretch more. Um, so, you know, I kind of think, you know, there, are, there's, there's kind of one, one each way there, right? Um, as a fan, I, like the fact that the play-in games have a bit more intensity than regular season games. They're a bit like, um, uh, and these normally only happen by accident. They're a bit like those regular season games that are actually going to, like really late in the season where they're going to kind of decide seedings. Um, And, you know, often if it's not close enough that those last few games really matter, um, then you don't get those in a given season. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm. I guess I'm, I'm probably more positive, uh, more positive about it than, than you are. Um, but I can see the problem. I mean, particularly if you combine it with a like a full length 82 or longer season, if they end up expanding. Um, well, I don't think they're adding
0: games if they expanded. I think I, I, it, it, won't, it won't be more than 82 games. The other thing about expansion, which is where I suggest they could get to 76, TV gets more games. There's two, there's two other teams so you know you're taking what for six games off 30 teams have that that's 90 but you're at a, you end up with 50 more games in the season total anyway with the two new teams in the 76 games they're
1: playing well, you know full skeds. yeah yeah well there is that although um, uh, as Mark Cuban has said um, during kind of interviews and other things um there are a couple of other financial implications when you've got expansion. So, like when, when they, when teams buy in to get an expansion, the existing owners or governors, I think they call themselves these days, um, get a payout, but they also get a fractionally smaller share of whatever the TV revenue ends up being, right? Uh, so, yeah, there are more games, um, but whether or not they'll be televising significantly more games or, you know, uh, whether they'll be making proportionally more through those. Um, and also the existing team owners, because um, that's where the money really matters, the existing team owners will be getting a smaller fraction, which matters to them. Um, uh, if they so, were able,
0: if they if they had 50 more games and they were able to package 30, you know, what, how long is it, regular season, 30 games, and they were able to package 30 of those into, you know, some sort of a one package for one of the streaming services because the next TV rights deal is going to be the one where they really and this is true of all sporting um TV you know sporting broadcast deals the next one's going to be the one where they really start to try and extract the money out of streaming and you know the NFL did some really interesting stuff this season with alternative broadcasts and all that sort of thing they had a they had an all-female booth on on you know on one multicast and in the playoffs they had a Nickelodeon broadcast where you would score a touchdown and the end zone would fill with slime on the broadcast, (laughs) like a kid's football. So there's some interesting things there's ways they can make that money back. The 30 owners who are, you know, losing millions of dollars, but are all multimillionaires. So look, I I expect Mark Cuban to act in his own self-interest like everybody does. But, um, but anyway, I mean, the other thing I remember I didn't articulate as well, I don't know the idea of you busting your backside to get to the eighth seed or the seventh seed. And there's a team at the end of the regular season that's like eight games behind you. And what happens in the last game of the season, your best player gets injured. And then, you know, you work so hard. I just think the regular season, you have to reward the way, the way you, uh, the way you make the regular season more important is by rewarding regular season performance. This 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 seems to me to be sort of a little everybody gets a ribbon day. So,
1: as I said, I, I warned everyone at the start this was going to be an old man rant, and there it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess other other changes to the the way playoffs playoffs are done have been proposed as well, doing with conferences, for example, um, which uh, I guess at the moment would uh, <laughs> would relatively speaking punish the East, mm-hmm. but um um. Yeah, anyway, I guess I, I, I feel a bit more positive about it than you, but I can see that there are, um, you know, the, the, those those objections, I, I get them. They make sense to me. Um, and what's, um,
0: it, what's important to note is my objection to a play-in tournament has nothing to do with the Suns going 8-0 in the bubble last season and missing out <laughs> on a play-in game by half a game, thanks to Karis LeVert missing that shot against the Blazers
1: at the end of that game. has nothing to do with that. But if there wasn't a play in, then Karis Lavert's shot wouldn't have mattered, right? Well, it has nothing to do
0: with that. I've said what I I've said my piece.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because without it, it would have been so close. Fair enough. On that,
0: we will leave it. We'll talk NBA next time, hopefully, before the playoffs start. um, There'll hopefully be a lot more to We might. Chip in before that with it with a pod if uh, a lot happens on the trade deadline whenever that is, um, and hopefully we'll have Adam back. But for now, fingers that crossed. was that was yes, fingers crossed. That was excellent. Um, thanks for joining me, Dan. No worries, pleasure. And thanks for listening in, everyone at home in your car, wherever you might be listening to your podcast. This is it. You go without saying, and we will catch you next time.